What's wrong with you people? All right. Well, welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast. We're thankful for our partners, the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and encourage you to check out swibbits.edu forward slash MDiv if you want to be as smart as Matt Hensley. <laughs> Nobody wants that. <laughs> Nobody. But how are you doing, Kyle? Matt, I'm great. And, and if our listeners, uh, they'll, they'll notice that it sounds a little bit different. Echo. Because this is... So Southwestern has been a sponsor from the beginning. Almost. Yeah. But this is the first podcast that we've recorded at Southwestern. I know. We, we, brought, the, we brought the podcast home to, to the, the dome. dome. There you go. That's Good right. <laughs> I, that's a better plug than I gave. But, and, uh, and, and I want to say I'm kind of jealous because I found your brick yesterday. So, so up until what 2019 or so, if, if you graduated from here, you have a brick uh, on the sidewalk out there, and I found Hensley's, and and it's about as dense as me too. I was, I'm, 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 I was hoping that you know, like a bird had. <laughs> no, it was just as it, it was just as clean right. and as pristine as could be. Just like my women. That's it. Like, just like who, your head. Just like my head. <laughs> who do we got today? Who's, who's on the show with us? Today we have a repeat guest. Yeah, believe repeat. it or not, repeat. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a while, but uh, we've had Dr. Hemphill on before, so we are welcoming Dr. Ken Hemphill back. And I'm, I, you know, of all the things that you've done, I'm sure this ranks up there this, this at, the at the top. This right? is the right you thing know. I put on top of my resume. Yes. <laughs> I was on the top. You do know that man was actually out yesterday cleaning that brick before. Yeah, oh, I'm sure it was. Right yeah, came out absolutely. Out there. So, <laughs> Dr. Hemphill, tell us who you who you are and uh, kind of what brings you to this this moment. You know, past president of uh, Southwestern Seminary, all of that good stuff. Well, uh, for these guys, uh, my my best church growth story actually started at Wolf Creek, Kentucky. So we were running twenty eight when I got there. We baptized fifty eight in the next eighteen months. So wow. I'm going to kind of focus on some of those stories. But I had the privilege of pastoring most every size church in the Southern Baptist Convention from small rural church in Wolf Creek, Kentucky. Then uh, uh, we went on to, that was at, when I was at Southern, and uh, I, I wasn't qualified to get in Southwest at that time, so I had to go to Southern. <laughs> and uh, left there, went on to Cambridge, did a PhD, came back, and uh, had the privilege of pastoring a number of different churches. Gay Lakes, Virginia, small uh, mountain town, about four or 5,000 population, church of a couple hundred, 300. And then First Baptist Norfolk, a lot of people know that story because we wrote about it a lot in the revitalizing the Sunday morning dinosaur. So that church was kind of strategically grown through the small groups, through the Sunday school. And uh, that kind of led to an opportunity to travel with Southern Baptists to NAM. It wasn't NAM at that time. I'm old enough that it was a home mission board at that time. And, and that was kind of sponsored at that time by, uh, by NAM and by Lifeway. And so it's kind of a dual sponsorship. Left there, came Southwestern, was privileged to be president here for about nine, 10 years. And from there to EKG, you remember the initiative that Southern Baptist had to focus on the kingdom, which I think uh, is still one of the issues we need to be renewing throughout, is that it really is not about us, it's about his kingdom and his agenda, not ours. And uh, that kind of led to other opportunities. So, so I've been at North Greenville University for a number of years. I was the director of the Center for Revitalization, which was one of the first centers in that way. And I'm still 
uh, connected there and um, am kind of back on the Southwestern campus. And that's been a treat over these last couple of years. And one thing I've learned is he has a great memory because a few years ago to get you onto the show, I offered you like unlimited coffee. Like anytime we met one another again, I would get him a cup of coffee. And the moment I walked through the door today, where's my cappuccino? So I, I do want to apologize that at least until this moment, I have not fulfilled that obligation, but the day is still young. Yeah. So yeah, it's been like four years. And you haven't bought the man a cup of coffee? I bought several cups of coffee okay. over the years. <laughs> uh, but uh, we are here at the Southwestern Seminary Church Revitalization Conference, Who's Your One Initiative, which is a mouthful to really say we're going to be talking about evangelism uh, for the next couple of hours here at Swibbits, and, and we're going to do that for this podcast too. And uh, as we think about evangelism, you know, there's times that you, you go and you knock on the door or you're at Starbucks and you, you begin a gospel conversation with somebody. There's fear, there's trepidation, there's nerves, there's all of that. You may trip over your words, all of that good stuff. But I want to start with the good stuff. Mm. Just tell us a time where maybe you're knocking on the door or, or sharing or revival, whatever it might be, just what you would describe as a God moment uh, that you could celebrate. Well, there, there are numbers of them. We, we did a lot of the kind of door-to-door work in, in, in Wolf Creek. And uh, so there, my visitation strategy was a little different than it was in First Norfolk, you might imagine, because... I discovered early on that if I wasn't in blue jeans and boots, I wasn't going to make a visit and I wasn't going to visit in the house. It was usually on the back of a tractor or uh, my wife still has a wonderful memory that on her birthday, I, she spent most of the day stripping tobacco because we're in a, a church where they had the bedacca plots and things of that nature. And so little just kind of got into the community. You know, and from that just story we heard earlier, that's so powerful about the Normandy church. and. And the reality is, I remember John Morgan. Some of you know John was down in Houston. And I went down to see his church when I was doing church growth for NAM, just to kind of see that story. And the sanctuary down there at that time was pretty small for a mega church. And John said, you know, we have a problem. We measure salt by what's in the shaker on Sunday morning. Said in our church, we measure it by the flavor it gets to the plate. And so getting out of the building into the community. So, so we had numerous visits. Uh, one of my favorite stories, we had a young man that kind of came to the church one morning. And, and, you know, if your church runs 28, you don't have to have visitor's cards because you can kind of tell who is a visitor. They don't have to give you a list of that. This young man had a, a, an incredible, engaging smile when he walked out. And when he took my hand, he nearly crushed it. I mean, it was just one of those ah moments. And I said to him, just spur of the moment, I said, you know, my wife and I are down here on weekends. Can I come by and see you? And he kind of looked at me like, you're kidding, aren't you? And I said, well, no, I'd love to. And he said, well, we'd love that. And so I, I noticed that one of my deacons was sitting outside of the door kind of waiting, which was unusual because he was usually the first one gone to go see the football game and on Sunday afternoon. And he came up and he said, Pastor, you know who that was? And I said, I don't have any clue who it was. And he said, well, that's Mr. Curl. And th that was one of the homes up on the hill that I knew was a wealthy family because they had more wrecked cars pushed off in the ditch behind their house than anybody else did. And, it, and this was the family that had the gambling and all on a Saturday night. They had more cars in their yard than we did on Sunday morning. And so we kind of went to that house and being courageous pastor, I, I, you know, because I was warned. This guy had been in and out of more jails in the county than anybody on the planet. 
And the last time pastor tried to go to his house, he tried to threaten to shoot him. And I said, well, I'm not afraid. So I spent all week praying, you know, and let my wife go to the door first. I'm a gentleman. I <laughs> <laughs> man, my... you, you could invite the uh, youth pastor to go. I said the youth pastor. That's not the duty. He's the sign with the pastor. Yeah, well, youth, youth pastors are, you know, replaceable. Dispensable. <laughs> 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 hey, right behind you, brother. I got you. I got you back. So at any rate, to make the long story very short, we went into that living room together and I mean it, it smelled like sin I mean it, it was one of those places he you know I, I've been trained through EE and faith and all that and you're supposed to find something to room to identify with and there wasn't anything to identify with even his kids were ugly and you don't want to start by saying man you got ugly kids how did that happen you know so so I'm sitting there just kind of wondering how do you even get into the gospel with this guy and he looked at me and he says pastor do you think a man like me could ever get saved? Mm -hmm. And I, I was so taken. I'm like, I'm not to that point in the outline yet. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how to respond to this. And uh, he said, you, you know my story. And I said, yeah, I've heard all about it. And, and I, I couldn't even think of scripture. And I, I started with the song, though your sins like scarlet, they'll be white as snow. And that guy hit his knee. I, I mean, he hit the floor on his knees as quick as he could. And just started begging out for God to save. And it was it, it, it literally was the, the point of revitalization of our church that when when he got saved, he it's funny, I knew very little bit about evangelism and less about discipleship. And he said, What do I do now? I said, You gotta go get a Bible. Go gotta get a bit of a Bible, you know, and and uh, you need to start tithing. I mean, go for the whole load, right? You know, I didn't know any better. So he goes and buys a pulpit Bible. I mean, one of the ones that you can write all your relatives in, you know, I guess he said, the, the, the bigger the Bible, the better the believer, you know, kind of thing. And next Sunday, he comes with his wife and those four kids and comes all the way down the front row, didn't know any better. And I mean, when, when his life was radically transformed, what God did in the life of that church was, it, it was amazing. That, that was a God moment. I, when I was in Norfolk, we were doing a similar kind of visitation and we went out with our EE team that night and nobody was home. It's just one of those nights, you know, we had appointments, they didn't show. And boy, I started back to the church and God convicted me that there was a literally a house that was in the shadow of the steeple of our church. And I had approached that family to buy their land because we were out of space. We were running several thousand. We only had about eight or nine acres. And I'd gone over there to buy their land, but I'd never talked to them about Jesus. Hmm. So I told my team, I said, I've got to stop, we've got to make. And I went to the door. And they looked at me and kind of said, we're not selling. And I said, uh, I didn't come for that. I said, I need to apologize. I said, I came over trying to buy your property, expand the church, and forgot to tell you about Jesus. Hmm. They opened the doors and come in, preacher. They've been sitting in the shadow of that church for all the years that church been there. And nobody, including me, had walked across the street telling about Jesus. Mm -hmm. So we never know. And people say, does that still work? If you work at it. Yeah. I mean, it, there's, no, there's no kind of mystery uh, juice to this stuff. You know, evangelism is hard work. It's hard work. And people are much more receptive than we are responsible for going. Didn't Jesus say that Matthew 9 and 10 feels right for the harvest? The problem is not the harvest. The problem is in the workers. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, you mentioned uh, briefly just some icebreakers. And so, you know, so some, some folks like Matt Queen can walk outside and, you know, meet somebody and say, man, it's hot today, isn't it? Yeah, you know what else is hot? Hell, let me tell you about Jesus, right? I mean, that's just, Matt, Matt just has that, uh, that ability. Yeah. For most people, that's not how that's going to go, right? So, so do you have, like, quickly, like, three kind of top icebreakers that, that you've seen work really well? Well, and, and one, one of our sessions, I'm going to talk a little bit more about a book Paul and I wrote together called Splash, Show People Love and Share Him. And in the, in the back of that, and also a little uh, book I wrote on Jesus is, uh, we, we talk about two or three things. Most people today are not very comfortable talking about death. And most of the older evangelism strategies kind of started with a death question, you know, and I found that doesn't work well on airplanes today. They'll put you out, you know, <laughs> you were to die today and they're going, what do you know about this plane? I don't know. So one that, uh, that Paul and I have used, in fact, my wife is very much involved in uh, our area now with the uh, resettlement of some of the Afghan refugees. And so we were sitting at lunch with a young man the other day that's Muslim in background. And uh, so one of the questions I, we ask is, in your opinion, who is Jesus? So if you get to Jesus as quick as you can, you're in pretty good territory. And what I, what I say to people is don't immediately respond if they get the answer wrong. We, you know, we kind of know what the right answer is, but they'll oftentimes talk about, well, in his case, he talked about a prophet. You know, he is a prophet of, in Islam, or at least in their understanding. And so he goes through that story. And so uh, the next question oftentimes we'll use after that when, and just let them share. And sometimes I'll say, well, I'm glad you're thinking about it. And then I'll say, can I ask you another question? Just follow up. And that is, well, who is Jesus to you? Now, if they're not a believer, they'll oftentimes say, I don't understand the difference in that question. What, what, you know, what do you mean? And I'll say, I understand. I'm sorry. That's not clear on my part. Can I tell you who he is to me? Mm-hmm. So what I do is train lay people to tell their story in about a minute, minute and a half about having a personal relationship with the Holy God and then come back to ask the questions. Anything like that ever happened to you? Would you like to know how you could? So that's one of the strategies. In the splash, we talk about kind of using current events, what's going on. So we wrote a little uh, uh, strategy called life, love, isolation, forgiveness, eternal life. In fact, I wrote that uh, while I was at Southwestern Seminary and Frank Harbor and I did it. Many of you know Frank. And by the way, Adam Greenway was Frank's grader at that time and actually did all the work on that track, if you want to know who actually had to do the work. And so uh, Adam's actually thinking about reproducing that, but it's basically an approach that starts with what people are most interested in, which is life, particularly their life. So you can use any life question. So even with current events, how do you think this issue with Ukraine, et cetera, is going to change life in America. How, how does uh, inflation affecting your life? So you go into the question of life and what is it that you bring? How do you deal with anxiety in life? And then you can kind of bring it around to your life story. One of the things you shared earlier was how uh, people out there, so to speak, are, are generally going to be much more receptive than we are willing to go. That's true. Uh, right. As, yeah. you, as you shared. Um, just talk to us. I know we're, we're preachers, so we're, we're knocking on doors every single day of the week. Uh, but, uh, but what are some tips that you would say that would find us 
or help us be a little more intentional, just day by day looking for those opportunities to share the gospel? Well, um, my wife has a little outline she's used over the years um, related to missional praying. And the end of Colossians and Ephesians, two letters that I think were written in kind of at the same moment, so they almost define each other. When Paul requests prayer at the end of those letters, there's kind of a little acrostic that comes out of the Colossian and Ephesian. That's access, boldness, and clarity. And so what I try to pray and teach people to pray that we have contact with is Paul said, pray that I have access. And so the first issue is access. Where do I meet this guy? Where is it? And being aware of that. And it's almost like the prayer of Jesus, thy kingdom come. And, and um, in John, at the pool of Bethesda, you, you ask, how did he see that? All these religious people had passed this guy and so Jesus' response is, I saw my father at work, you know. So when, when Jesus gets there, you know, his dad's already at work to heal this man. And it's kind of like, can I join you? Uh, kind of going back almost to the experiencing God moment. So the access is awareness on our part. Help us to be aware. And, and, and my problem is, like everybody else is out here, is that I kind of pass people by that probably are responsive, but I'm not attentive. So access, boldness. I thought it was interesting that the Apostle Paul, greatest missionary known to man, had to ask people to pray that he'd be bold. What about us? Yeah. And that, you know, I, I confess, I, I oftentimes is more fearful of what people will think of me than what God does. Yeah. And, and it's boldness, so we have to have that boldness. And then the last one was clarity. He said that I could do it clear. And, and the clarity means that every moment's different. The moment with this Muslim, very different than a moment with a, an atheist or an out of fellowship you know, person out of your church. So, you know, those are, those are the kind of issues that, that help me sensitize. But, you know, it's a discipline I have to work at every day. I, I, I struggle with it. I don't know any pastor that does it very candidly. Now, maybe Matt is the exception. Yeah, here, Matt, Matt Queen, he just, you yeah. know. If he finds he's so good, he, he didn't even need to be in here. He just left because he's like, <laughs> he left. He's like, I know, man. I wrote the book on it. Uh, but uh, you know, that's one of the things that that could be an icebreaker, though. Have you ever met Dr. Matt Queen? <laughs> no. Well, then you obviously heard of Jesus. Know. Let me tell you about Jesus today. If you have, then you obviously have. But uh, there's another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How would you how would you define success in evangelism? You know, Dr. Fish, who is Mr. Evangel himself, Western, said, you know, there, the, the scriptures make it clear that there's sowing, there's, uh, there's sometimes fertilizing, watering, and there's reaping. And we may not be the, the one that gets to see the harvest come in, but, you know, the Bible has some very clear promises that the scriptures never return void. Mm -hmm. And it tells us the seed is good. So success is faithfulness in, in presenting. Now, that, that's not an excuse for not trying to harvest. I, I find that sometimes we will use that as an excuse. Well, I say, well, you know, I, I did the best I could. And and I think sometimes that's all you can do. If it's a, a casual meeting on an airplane or in an airport, and you may never see that person again, but you can pray in that context and be able to do that. When I was leaving the last D-Men out here that I was involved with, with our revitalization D-Men, uh, one of the students hitched uh, a ride with me to the airport and we're sitting there at breakfast and lo and behold, we have the privilege of leading a young man to Christ there. Wow. Uh, and it was just one of those God moments because 
there was nobody in the restaurant but the two of us. And so he didn't have anything to do. And he literally just kind of sat down at the table and the two of us talked through the gospel. Now, the good news about that was being here in Dallas, I found out where he lived and I could call a pastor who followed up the next week. But you can't always connect those dots. So we've got to trust God that he'll complete the good work in them. And since this is a church revitalization uh, conference, as we begin to wind down, uh, what, what do you think the relationship between church revitalization, replanting, you know, church strengthening, all of that church health is to evangelism? How important is it? Well, I would say that evangelism is, a, is the key to church revitalization. I mean, uh, I, I'm glad when folks join our church from other churches, other denominations, but what excites the church is when they see people getting saved every mm. week. You know, when they see somebody walk that aisle and their lives transform, like that story from Wolf Creek where that young man's life radically changed. Now, was he perfect from day one? Absolutely not. About four weeks later, he's not on the front row and one of the guys came up to me and he said, hey, uh, where, where's your protege? And I, I mean, he probably didn't use that word in Wolf Creek, but you know, where's the guy who led to the Lord? He's not here. So I went up to his house that, that afternoon. He was full beard. He had hadn't shaved in about four weeks. Not like your cute beard. I mean, just kind of cute beard. Stubby, you know. But we walked out. Literally, this is a true story. When when I came up, he just hung his head. We walked outside of the house, and the only place there was to walk out there was his hog lot. I mean, that's everybody down there had a few hogs, because by the way, they kill rattlesnakes and copperheads, if you ever want to know. They're a really good pet to have in your front yard if you live somewhere where they have those, and they're pretty good to eat as well after a while. But at any rate, we walk out there, and he, he literally just drops to his knees, and he said, I've blown it. And I said, yeah, but God's faithful. And he said, you mean God can forgive me still? And I said, yeah. And then he said to me, but those people down at the church never will, will they? So what happened is not only the transformed life, but the seeing of the continuing act of grace in his life. Now, you know, he wasn't finished. So I think it's at the heart of it. I don't think revitalization occurs without evangelism because the Great Commission is at the heart of what we do. And uh, I just think, you know, a lot of people want to try to change the music style and it may need change. I'm not, I'm not averse to that. Uh, they may want to train, go from Sunday school to sales. And I tell people that's no argument in my case because I, I tell them Southern Baptist, if we don't have a good theological argument, we'll get in a methodological argument and cell groups or Sunday school classes at an odd hour outside of your building. Sunday school is a cell group in your building at a traditional hour. So don't argue about this anymore. The, the reality is the heart of this thing is getting the church, changing the culture of the church to where evangelism priority. Awesome. And uh, Dr. Hempel, my final question is we, we asked you earlier about that big God moment, right? And mm -hmm. I thought that was when you started that story about like, where am I going to find the common ground with this guy? And that kind of, I thought that was going to be the awkward one. So tell us like the most embarrassing, the most awkward, whatever evangelism time that you've been out sharing the gospel that you would like to, at least that you would like to broadcast for the entire world. <laughs> oh, yeah, thank you. Well, I think truthfully, the embarrassing moment for me was that story that, that I had to confess not only to this couple across the street, but to these laymen in my church. Hmm. 
And I've been the pastor of this church for several years and haven't walked across the street to tell somebody about Jesus. You know, evangelism in your church will never rise higher than it does in the pastor's life. It just won't. And, and so if they don't see your heart for lost people, they're not going to develop. It's, it's got to start in the heart. You know, all I tell people, revitalization has three steps in the life of the church. Your heart before your head, then your head's got to catch up with your heart. Then you can change the hand. And a lot of a lot of revitalization strategies start with a hand. That is, we've got to change our methods. Mm. Well, we may need to change our methods. But if you don't change the heart, there's no desire to change the method. If you don't change the head, that is how we think about what we're doing, you're not going to change the method. So you've got to start back at the heart. So that was probably the most embarrassing moment was the fact that I had to humbly before my own lay people acknowledge and before this couple. I've ignored you and you're in the shadow of our steeple. Mm -hmm. That's good. That was a Pastor Crenshaw song. Oh, oh. Thank, well, thank you. Right. We're going to get copyrighted. You can't, you can't do that. <laughs> that <part's gonna> be <laughs> thank you, Dr. Hemphill. Kyle, any final words or do you want to send us Oh, down? man. I, I, thank you for joining us again, Dr. Hemphill. It's great to have you with us again. Thank you all for sticking around here in the room to, to be a part of this. And as always, thanks to you all that listen. And uh, until next time, may your coffee be as black as night. And as bold. And as bold as the gospel you and declare. And that reminds me I have to go and get a cup. Yes, you do. That's right. That's right. Y'all take care. God bless. What's wrong with you people?